What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This week, we're going to be analyzing and predicting the UFC 266 pay-per-view going down this Saturday. What's up, Ozzy? How are we doing this week? Doing awesome. Uh, was uh, just in Atlantic City uh, last uh, day or two, putting down some some bets, collecting on some old winners, uh, and you know, excited to get back to uh, this paper, very paper view, pay uh, worthy card with uh, three five round uh, fights on it. Yeah, decent undercard too. A few prelims that are actually really fun. Specifically, the last three prelims, all really good fights uh, that could be on the main card. Uh, we did lose two fights in the past. Four or five hours looks like they're going to be postponed. Um, the Bueno Silva and Fear Road fight is postponed, and Roberson is out of his fight with Maximov. But uh, Corey Brun or Cody Brundage is filling in for Maximov, so we still got thirteen fights. And lastly, before we get into these first uh, few fights, just a quick recap of the last card. I lost 0.17 units. Uh, had three bets: one won, one lost, and one drew. Um, Alatang, I think was a good bet, even though it didn't win. Uh, so I'm fine with how the week went. Um, you on the other hand had a profitable week. Tell us about how your week went on bet MMA last event. Yeah, pretty clean event overall. Um, I think I, you know, I won most of my money line plays. Uh, the only bad one I'd say was, uh, Mike Rodriguez, but I mentioned that Tefan, uh, decision at plus 460. So I had that and basically covered, uh, everything there on Mike. Um, you know, Lipsky, easy winner. I told you, Bomb was a terrible fighter. Um, you know, this clinch nonsense, like she just was all around really, really bad. Nowhere near UFC level. Um, and Lipsky dominated there. Raquel Pennington was my biggest bet of the night. Um, she picked up the pace, uh, you know, significantly in those last uh, two rounds. Uh, and I was able to get her plus money as well, plus like 250 after round one to win by decision, which was great. Um, I ended up on Carlson Harris um, and, uh, and and Hannah Goldie as well, who, uh, you know, caught an arm bar, didn't hit her win condition, but won anyway. So, you know, funny how that works sometimes. And then, uh, you know, a few prop losers, uh, uh, you know, Blanchfield submission. She, I, I, I think she should have went for that armbar position at some point. Um, you know, just as dominating and didn't have to, you know, bust up her hands. And then uh, Harris submission, which I thought uh, still really, really good bet at uh, three to one and up. So, and then I lost a little stab on JP Buys, but I said he would uh, have a better first round. You would think that, uh, you know, he'd, he'd come in, you know, much more focused. And I think that was definitely the case. Uh, and he, you know, lost a tough fight there. So, you know, really good night overall. And then six units in total uh, between Bellator and UFC. UFC was three and a half. And then Bellator was just undefeated, you know, th three uh, pretty easy winners there. So this is our eighth podcast, Ozzy. That means we've done seven total so far. How many units do you think you're up in those seven seven UFC events alone? Uh, I, I I have not counted. You Just guess. On the I, I, I have the number. Maybe uh, close to 20. 20 23.05 units uh, in free advice that he's given out. You know, you're not exactly saying I'm putting 1.15 units, you know, but you're, you're given the information People have to take that information and do what they want with it. But 23 units, uh, I'm only plus six units at that time. Seems like chump change. Um, but, you know, definitely giving out tons of free winners on the podcast. 23 and, you know, guys are telling me, hey, you're not betting enough units on these things, yada, yada, yada. So, look, I mean, you know, people can 
the what I what I do on that bet MMA page is how I feel you can definitely confidently grow your bankroll. You could put you know make bigger plays there. But uh, you know, I personally I do bet a little bit more, you know, I'll say. Um, but that you know that, the unit stuff, that's a proprietary stuff. So I have that that's why I had to put that behind the paywall a little bit, just because you know these lines are moving around uh, a good amount. But I try to be really, really transparent. And all of these are real lines. Like, there's not crazy inflated. Like, no, par I don't do parlays, none of that nonsense. This is all real stuff, guys. Real units. Real like, dollars. These are yep. real dollars being wagered and what? Yep, yep. Winning rents, working on the weekend over here. So that's mm. going to take us to the first fight on this card. We got in the featherweight division, Omar Morales minus 151. Jonathan Pierce plus 131 on Bet Online right now. Uh, I'll start this one off, and this is a pretty fun fight to start the card. Both these guys are good fighters, in my opinion. Both recently dropped down from 155, and they're doing good things at 145. Um, Morales is kind of a medium tempo striker, um, not really a lot of diversity in his striking attack, mostly just leg kicks and boxing, but the guy does that very well. Um, JSP, on the other hand, a lot more hittable on the feet. He's kind of more of an aggressive striker, uh, not a calculated striker like Morales. But JSP can build as the fight goes. His cardio is pretty good, and he also has some good wrestling. Um, we saw him hit a lot of takedowns in the Contender Series. We saw him hit takedowns on Kamaka. And when the guy's on top, he is looking to do damage, pass guard, and finish you on top. So I really like that from him. And... Coming down into this fight, I, I would like to see Morales' takedown defense, but in his UFC career so far, he hasn't really faced good grapplers, um, and there's not much footage of him before the UFC, so not a whole lot of footage on Morales defending takedowns. The only real footage we have is the Shane Young fight, where Shane Young briefly took him down, and for minus 150 on Morales, I would like to see a lot more proven defensive grappling for me to trust him at that price so this is going to be dog or pass for me uh, i'll side with jsp here as the underdog i think his wrestling could be the deciding factor here um and you know jsp coming off a win off of kamaka i i rate kamaka pretty highly uh, i think you do as well uh we're a big fan of kamaka here on the podcast and jsp got a good win uh on him in his last fight so i'll be rolling with jsp and i think he's decided to be on here as the dog what are you thinking about this first fight on the card ozzy yeah, so it's a great fight to open up the main card. Um, both guys here, you know, Omar Morales, you know, he's down here at 145. And, you know, I, I, I was skeptical about him, you know, being at this weight class because honestly, the, the things that I think benefited him the most at 155 were, were his was his speed um, and, and just overall pace that he that he would bring. Um, he's still unproven uh, in the grappling realm at 145, but I do think that he does have some grappling chops. He has some, um, you know, decent defense you know instincts from from when when i uh do watch him like you said his striking he, he's kind of just looking to set up the right hand um you know and, and throw that leg kick when he faced a more nuanced and you know deeper striker and giga uh he was he wasn't really able to get going uh all too much now when he's matching up here against uh jsp um pierce is a you know a guy who can get a little bit more wild at some you know some points he really does um sometimes like really digging like uh like sit down into the pocket and into exchanges you know quite often um but here i think this is a great matchup potentially for him uh if he can get omar to commit to to strikes where he can uh you know get get into get in on his legs and you know maybe even come up to a clinch for for some takedowns or just finish uh leg attacks 
when I'm, you know, handicapping something and I'm looking at a fighter like JSP who, who I think needs the grappling, needs to, to get the fight to the floor to win, um, I, I, I like seeing when, you know, that they're competent in finishing leg attacks, singles and double legs. Um, and I don't think it's going to be easy for him, you know, to do it against Omar Morales at all. Um, JSP doesn't move his head all that much. Um, you saw, you know, I don't know if you guys watched Contender, but yesterday Jacob uh, uh, Rosales, a former opponent of JSP, fought. And, you know, if you watch that fight, like JSP just, you know, he he, he gets hit. He's pretty hittable. Um, and and he, he'll definitely take take a few shots uh, here. So um, even if he loses the first round, like you said, I think he is definitely in the fight, um, you know, because he can finish at any point. Um, he's, he's very aggressive. He has strong hips once he does get on top. Uh, and, and he does uh, lay down some good ground and pound. So. I think at this price here, it's not unreasonable on to like either side. Um, I wouldn't play Omar as a favorite just because I think there are some holes here and there are some some ways that JSP could take advantage of him. Um, but I don't think at plus 130, it's big value. I was hoping that it, this would get close to plus 150. Um, but, you know, the under here is plus 135, although JSP is extremely tough. Um, Omar Morales does hit very, very hard. Um, and I think that he will be uh, able to land here. And JSP, I do think, has some opportunity to, to finish as well. So if the price inflates a little bit more, I will be interested on the JSP side. Uh, but I do think that Omar Morales is the rightful favorite uh, as it stands right now. Yeah, good analysis there. Not really rushing to bet Pierce one, plus 130 as well, but if he got up to plus 150, it would definitely be more enticing. Um, fun first fight between the featherweights, and we're going to move on to the next fight, welterweight division. We have Matt Semmelsberger, minus 600, taking on Martin Sano, plus 400. Uh, you can start this one off. Yep, sure. What are your thoughts about the high-level Martin Sano Jr.? Um, you know, uh, you know, Sano obviously is four and two, uh, in his professional career. Um, you know, he would never have sniffed the UFC otherwise, you know, other than, uh, being on this card here. Um, he hasn't fought in what's the, what's the time in between his fights? Four and a half here? years, four, four and, and a half, half years, years, no fights, seven years, no wins. Yeah, so you know, um, uh, Semmelsberger in his last—I'll just go to Semmelsberger in his last fight. I thought he, you know, he he fought a very, very difficult stylistic matchup, but looked really, really good. He has Chris Box boxing. Um, he had a hard time with the power that uh, Chaos Williams is bringing to him, but I don't think that's going to be an issue for him here. Um, I think that uh, Sa uh, Sano would probably need to get this fight to the ground, but. Uh, Semmelsberger is pretty a pretty decent wrestler. Uh, trains out of a gym that is a uh, BJJ centric and foremost. So I think he's going to be able to to deal with any of that. Keep this guy in the end of his punches and probably set up a right hand or or a few right hands uh, to to potentially finish uh, Sano. But um, you know Sano might have a pretty good chance. It could go to the cards, but I do think uh, Matt will be able to land uh, a lot of clean punches here. Uh, you know, in in route to a win. Yeah, I mean, Sano is just so bad. Like you said, four and a half years, no fights. That fight, he got taken down and dominated in round one. I'll give him some credit. He did kind of come back and win rounds two and three of that fight versus Herzog. But he also yeah. grabbed the fence in that fight and ended up as a draw. Um, so you also watch the Dominic Waters fight. I mean, he was just dominated in the wrestling there. All 15 minutes was being controlled. Uh, his striking doesn't even look remotely good. I mean, it seems like he has no concept of footwork. He gets really close to you and then he gives himself up for takedowns. Um, so I think Samuelsberger really should win the fight. However he wants, he can outbox him on the feet. Samuelsberger should be able to easily take him down and outgrapple him as well. 
And uh, I'll mention it's not really relevant to this fight, but Semmelsberger, really good performance in his last fight against Williams. I think going back and rewatching that fight, you realize a lot of what Williams was throwing wasn't really landing. And uh, there's actually a case that Semmelsberger won that fight, in my opinion. So um, mm-hmm. Semmelsberger is just two or three notches ahead of Sano at this point, and he should win the fight however he wants and actually has a good chance at finishing if he feels enthusiastic enough in these later rounds. Um. That's going to take us to the next fight, which is in the lightweight division, I believe. Um, no, no, no. We ha- we're sticking in the middleweight division. Uh, Nick Maximoff taking on Cody Brundage. This fight was announced just a few hours ago. And uh, Maximoff opened around minus 300. The line has been bet down. Uh, we're now seeing Maximoff minus 191. Cody Brundage plus 166. So uh, I quickly taped this fight real quick. And I came to the conclusion that Brundage is just a better version of Nick Maximoff. Um, I don't think he has the same uh, jiu-jitsu credentials that Maximov does, but I think his wrestling is better than Maximov. I think uh, his cardio and his striking is better. Um, we've actually seen Brundage stay on the feet and, and strike for multiple minutes while Maximov shoots takedowns right away in all of his fights. So we really have no idea how Maximov is going to look in the striking, but I get the feeling it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, so Maximov's looking to get the fight to the floor. He does that in all of his fights, but I'm kind of underwhelmed with this top game. He loses position. He goes for back takes and falls off. And I don't think he's a dominant top position grappler. Um, I've seen good things on top from Brundage. He's arm triangled a few opponents. He knows how to pass guard, hit takedowns. And I just think he's the more proven wrestler, the more proven striker. And I think he's got more ways to win. So I'll be picking Brundage straight up in this fight, even though he's coming in here on a few days notice. Uh, I think he's winning as the underdog here. So any plus money on Brundage uh, is value, in my opinion. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on these guys both making their UFC debut? Yes, I'm, I'm very familiar with both of them, um, especially Maximov. Uh, you know, I've seen all of his uh, Submission Underground, you know, matches and all. Um, you know, a concern for me here is, one, you know, obviously a striking, super raw. He's not comfortable there at all. Um, you know, he, he can easily be, you know, kept on the end of punches, uh, and, and forced to like, just dive, uh, for, for takedowns and not, and not set them up. Um, he's, this is the first time he's ever fighting at 185 and I've seen him, you know, at the 205 fight in that crazy fight that he had on the contender series, you know, him start to tire out. And I don't think it's to his benefit for him to be cutting down to 185 uh, on top of that. So, you know, I just think he's a bit inefficient with his with his cardio. And I just don't think his cardio, I don't know, I think it might be because uh, he gets a little anxious on the feet and all. But uh, but but I do think that, that, that he has big time potential to gas here. Cody, on the other hand, his last fight was an awesome fight I told you about. Uh, you know, I, I think I was watching that live and, you know, might have had some money on um on the dog there but cody was able to have a great round one i believe um you know have a little bit more of a competitive round two and then come out like you said in round three and get that arm triangle finish um so i think this guy's a big time prospect he trains out of um i think it's factory x in colorado so he's getting a lot of training in with um uh, Dustin Jacoby, I know, he says he's like a main training partner of his. Um, and how these guys match up, you know, I do think that Maximov 
is, uh, in my opinion, I'll say that uh, if if they do when they do lock up, uh, Maximoff is the better grappler, um, and that includes the wrestling. So I just feel that he has an innate ability to be able to 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 end up on top, and I think he's a lot more comfortable when they do lock up. Um, but not to say Cody's not a bad a, a, a bad wrestler. I think he could probably take Maximoff down if he wants. I think he'll be able to defend the, the takedowns as well. But I do think if they are in prolonged grappling situations, Maximoff uh, is a more comfortable guy there but you know I, I he he was training for a fight himself um i think he's coming in shape um and like you said i think this fight uh you know them opening at minus 300 is kind of ridiculous it's, it should probably be something cl- under 150 uh here on the brundage side um you know maximov doesn't have uh the crowd on his side i guess but i just think that if he is, ends up on the feet here um brundage is gonna be able to ice him uh with with a collection of punches you know i think he he's gonna be whether it be at, at range if they're in the pocket maximoff sometimes gets a bit lazy and complacent when he's like uh lunging in and holding on to the clinch and all so i think this would be a super competitive fight i think maximoff if he does put cody on his back can finish cody there um you know if he's able to like stick him where cody can't um you know scramble to the fence and all um but but uh any other situations i think maximoff is in you know a decent amount of trouble um so i'll probably i'll I'll pick uh cody here uh straight up and we'll see you when this line gets uh you know delineated out uh and see you know if we can get some action on him yeah one point i'll bring up that you mentioned a really good point is this is his first time cutting to 185 is that correct i see yeah. all all light heavyweight in his past i mean he's 209 for his last fight so he's not a huge um a huge light heavyweight or anything but still you got to consider that this is his first time cutting to 185 he's a solid um, dude you know his he's not a small like he could fight at 205 without you know 76 76 inch uh reach you know he's a big boy uh you know i wouldn't be surprised if he's like 215 you know normally so it's not gonna be an easy cut yeah, no, um, and I just get the vibe that both these guys have been the, ha- the hammer throughout most of their careers, and we're likely going to see bo- uh, one of them face the most adversity they've ever faced in their career. Uh, let's hope it's uh, Maximoff so we can cash those Brundage tickets. So that's going to move us on. In the lightweight division, we have Uros Medic as the minus 118 favorite. Jalen Turner, minus 102. Fun lightweight matchup. Uh, the, the public has been on the, the dog here. Turner pushing them to uh, almost a near favorite, uh, near pick situation. So what are your yeah. thoughts, uh, Ozzy, here? Close lightweight fight. Yeah. This is a very interesting fight for me. Very interesting. So I, you know, I was on the other side of Medic uh, for his contender series, and I think also in that debut fight against, uh, you know, Cruz. But along Cruz, you know, uh, is is a former 145er Medic? I mean, I he definitely hits hard, but you know, and he's he's joined uh, with uh, with uh, Master Rafael over there. At, I forget the name of their gym. Um, Kings MMA. Kings MMA. There you go. Uh, training with Benio and all those guys there. So you know, he he, he I, I I actually like the fit there for him. Um. But here, you know, I, I really do think, like, Jalen Turner, I've been skeptical about him a lot. He has not had a, you know, really good strength of schedule other than the Luke fight. And then you saw in that Favola fight, it was just a crazy fight, them going back and forth. But this guy's got skills, man. He's got a pretty good, uh, uh, you know, at range. He's got a, a crisp jab. He throws the cross really well. I like his reflexes and uh, how he's quick to counter. Um, I like his clinch game. And if he's not, um, you know, grappling to 
too much, like getting concerned with, you know, locking up guillotines and stuff like that, like he was against Frivola. I do think that his uh, grappling defense is okay. Um, and Medic is just very much more unproven. You know, his last fight was just, uh, you know, six months ago. And you didn't really learn anything from there. You didn't really learn anything in his contender series fight. So I, I think, you know, the biggest thing for him is uh, finding the chin of Turner because Turner has shown the uh, susceptibility to get stunned, you know, potentially get rocked. Um, and his defense is not the best. Like, I feel, you know, he is open to the counter a little bit. And because he is a little bit more high volume, uh, Medic and his very aggressive style uh, will be able to, 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 to get that going. He also... So uh, his last fight was at a catch weight, so he's down at 155. So I'm interested to see does Medic at some point, you know, if he's chucking out those left bombs and and all, um, and and maybe not uh, having the success in landing it because of the reach disadvantage. Does he end up trying to take it down Turner? And how um, committed is Turner to digging underhooks here? But you know, this line is just, this betting line is weird to me. I would think that Turner would be the favorite and open the favorite. So I don't know why they opened him to dog. Like, I don't know if it's someone is really high on, on, on Medic and they've seen him training and stuff like that. And, you know, he's been endorsed, if you know what I mean, a little bit more behind the scenes. So um, I'm going to be careful a little bit here and not try to, you know, not see, you know, rate Turner too much and, you know, think that he's should be like a, a pretty big favorite here. But, you know, from, from my eyes, looking at this, if Medic isn't knocking Turner out early with, you know, some of these combinations that he's practicing and stuff, I do think that Turner probably should be the favorite favorite here um but i'm not gonna get too over my skis here but i do like turner here um to to just mix it up be able to to use the clinch and you know tire uh medichal who is i don't think he's ever even been out of the first round so yeah that's that that's my uh that's my viewpoint on that fight yeah i view medich in a pretty similar way you mentioned whoever opened this line i i'm pretty sure whoever opened this line um isn't actually watching a whole lot of tape on Medich. They're seeing a bunch of round one finishes in a row. He's coming off the contender series pretty recently. And uh, the market just loves to overrate these fighters. We see him on a regular basis, but this line's actually pretty close. So it seems like the public is respecting the the more experience and well-roundedness of Jalen Turner. And uh, I'm going to be signing with Turner here as well. Um, you know, there are these striking prodigies we see every now and then that that are actually like looking good like melsic bogdazarian for example i don't think medich is that type of guy i don't think he's really proven to that level um i seeing his striking he, he throws his strikes from, from a really far distance i mean sometimes he'll be throwing his kicks from such a far range and he covers a really long range but I don't think the guy has much of a, a boxing game. He likes just kicking from the outside and landing long straight shots. But I'm really interested to see how he's going to look in like actually competitive striking exchanges. And I think that's going to be the first time in his MMA career that we've seen uh, a guy not be scared of his striking. Turner has that same long frame. He's got that southpaw stance as well. He throws really good kicks and straight punches. And I think Turner is going to be uh, really competitive in these striking exchanges. And you've got to give Turner the experience advantage, the cardio advantage, and I think the grappling advantage as well. From what we've seen of Medic, he has not looked like a good grappler. We've seen him taken down. We've seen him spend multiple minutes on his back. Now, it's not like Turner is some reliable wrestler who's going to put Medich on his back. But if the fight ends up on the floor, I think Turner will prove that he's the better grappler and possibly be live for a submission uh, like we saw in his last fight. So 
I think the striking is going to be really competitive, maybe a slight edge to Medish, but in terms of cardio, grappling, and experience, I give Turner the edge there. So I'll be picking the more well-rounded and experienced guy. And, um, you know, Medich, Medich knocking him out in round one wouldn't completely shock me. Um, but I would be impressed if Medich won anyway besides round one knockout. If the fight goes out of round one and Medich wins, consider me impressed because I think that rounds two and three favors Turner pretty heavily here. So I'll be picking Turner. Um, haven't quite locked in a bet on him, but might end up with a smashing on him if he stays plus money. Um, that's going to move us along to the next fight. Uh, the first of several female fights in the women's flyweight division. We have Talia Santos as the minus 450 favorite taking on Roxanne Matafari plus 350. Um, Roxanne is always getting underrated by the market. That's no, that's nothing new, but I'm still a bit surprised how wide this line is. Do you feel the same way, Ozzy? In, yeah, man, I, a, a bit. I know, you know, I think that Tyler Santos is legit, but you know, and I, maybe it's because Roxy's coming off a knee surgery as well. Like I think she tore her ACL, but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a wide line. Very, very respectful. Yeah, that makes sense because she looks like she was fighting with a torn ACL and a pest of her few fights. <laughs> I mean, she just looks so noodly and awkward in the striking. It's crazy. Um, but. The main concern here from Santos has to be the Barella fight. I know it was her UFC debut. I know it was like two and a half years ago, but the weaknesses that she showed in that fight could end up with her losing this fight against Roxanne because she was put against the cage in that fight. She was taken down, spent a good amount of time on her back there, and Barella is a terrible fighter. Uh, I think that was the last fight Barella won in the UFC, honestly. Um, and she's you know, been pretty much dominated for the rest of her career ever since then. Um, Santos has looked a lot better in her McCann fight, the Robertson fight, but um, I just think those fights were, were kind of a walk in the park for her. Neither woman put up much resistance, especially Jillian Robertson's dumbass, who is jumping armbar, jumping guillotine, just just looking as worse as humanly possible. Um, but in that fight, we saw Talia go for uh, an inverted triangle. You remember that, Ozzy? That, that's kind of a big red flag for me. How are you on top of someone and out grappling them for the first seven or eight minutes of the fight, and then you willingly fall to your back to try to go for an inverted triangle? That's just a, a dumb grappling decision there that I think uh, kind of shows that Santos isn't that polished of a grappler. She's still making some questionable decisions in the grappling. So. When the fight stays in the feet, there, there's no question of who's going to win. It's going to be Santos. She's going to be controlling the striking. Um, but if Roxanne can get in the clinch here, get that body lock takedown going, and Roxanne can get on top, she has a really good path to victory here with uh, having the better top game than uh, Talia possibly. So with Talia's weaknesses off of her back, there's no way I would lay minus 450 on her. No way I would recommend putting her in a parlay. And the money line value is all over Roxanne here. And uh, lastly, thing I'll say is uh, for a fight that I expect to end, have a lot of grappling, the fight ends by submission on either side here is plus 650. So that's uh, an interesting prop here. And uh, I'll pass this one over to you. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, man, you know, the more I think about this fight, and I, I like Talia Santos, I, you know, was able to, you know, take advantage of, like you said, her UFC debut, her not looking great and parlaying that into, you know, those two very good spots versus McCann and Robertson. But the more I think about this fight, the more I think that this is going to be a close fight because Roxanne, you know, you could hate on her all you want, but the girl comes out very aggressive. Um, she comes forward. She's not um, shy to get hit. Um, 
I think maybe with her new knee now, maybe she's moving a little bit better. But the thing is, she's just uber aggressive. You know, she'll come, she'll run, she'll literally run forward at you, throwing punches and all. And I think that uh, Santos will, um, one, you know, exchange and two, probably look for some grappling and takedowns and stuff like that. And that puts Roxanne in a place where she can uh, use, you know, some of her game to slow uh, Tyler down, maybe get to some sleeping positions, maybe get to some submissions and just make it an ugly fight. And when it's an ugly fight like that, you know, holding a plus 350 is pretty good. Um, overall, you know, Santos, I do think that she is uh, pretty legit. I think she, she can beat a lot of these girls at 125. She's got a deep, pretty good uh, wrestling instincts, um, I feel, when she do is shooting in that she's shown in those last two fights. Can she get a little bit more, uh, a little overzealous in the uh, in the grappling for sure? But uh, her clinch game is also pretty solid. You know, she she uh, is able to get that tie clinch, uh, throw pretty solid knees, and she has good power behind you know some of her shots. So she has a good amount of a good amount of finishes. But I do think that it's very very difficult to finish Roxanne. Um, you know, uh, uh, betting on Roxanne never feels good, but you very. Uh, uh, you usually don't regret it uh, once you do. You know, I did regret having action on her versus, uh, you know, Viviani. But that was more so because it, Viviani was just, you know, beating her up so bad that it made me feel bad about it. But if you think, like, <laughs> Roxanne was... Uh, she was close to like even money against Lauren Murphy. And I remember I was looking at that and I thought I was like, well, like Lauren Murphy, I, I got Lauren Murphy at like plus money and she ended up going off as a favorite. But... You know, if you're getting her here, like this is the best price you've ever gotten, Roxanne, other than the uh, since Barber. the Macy Barber fight. Yeah. So, you know, against Andrea Lee, Viviani, uh, Lauren Murphy. So there's much worse uh, ways to invest your money here. Um, you know, it's open minus 225, and now it's at like four, 450. Um, you know, I'll probably end up with a little bit of action on Roxanne um, because I do think you could potentially live bet out of this because Roxanne, I think, is going to have a good round one. You know, she's been out for, for a good amount of time. Like like I said, she uh, had that knee injury. So uh, I think, uh, well, I guess she wasn't out that long. Well, whatever. But um, <laughs> I think, I, I don't know how she came back so fast from her knee injury. That's actually a red flag. But whatever, like, doesn't matter. She she probably just got stuff cut out of her knee, not uh, not repaired, which is fine as well. Um, and, and yeah, I'll probably have a little bit on her. But, um, but yeah, it's it's never good a good feeling, to be honest. It's never a good feeling. But I definitely can't advise parlaying Tyler Santos because I think it could be a gritty fight that uh Roxanne you know wins around and yeah, sorry, if, sorry if you heard Santos wins sorry if you heard some noise I'm doing some research on Roxanne's Instagram right now trying to see when she got this surgery I mean she's been at jujitsu for the past several months so like you said it was probably not one of not one of those full replacements just like a minor it's surgery. like arthroscopic yeah like you, they just snip uh something else it might have not been a torn ACL you know but you know some of these people are fighting on torn ACLs nowadays because it's crazy but, yeah, yep, well, uh, we'll be cheering for Roxy, you know, always a, f a fun underdog to cheer for and uh, probably don't think too much about this one. Just small bet on Roxy and move on. Uh, that's going to take us to the next fight in the heavyweight division. Um, really fun fight here between uh, Philadelphia's finest Chris Dockhouse minus 205 Shamil Abdur-Mahinov making his uh, UFC comeback here two, two years with no fights for uh, Shamil. I'll let you start this one off. What are you thinking about the first of two heavyweight fights on this card? 
Yeah, man, you know, this is a fight where, you know, I'm definitely waiting a little bit to see the weigh-ins just because Shamil's been out so long. You know, he totally, totally fucked me in that last fight when I had the over in the Curtis Blades fight, and he, like, quit basically, like, five seconds left, eight seconds left on that. But, you know, Shamil has had a pretty good UFC career, man. You know, he lost that fight to Curtis Blades, which I give him a, you know, I'm not saying I give him a pass, but it's really tough fighting a wrestler like that in that heavyweight division. And, you know, this guy, he can move his head. He throws pretty good punches. Um, he's got, like, you'll see him throwing spinning back fists, spinning back kicks. Like, he's he's well-rounded overall. Um, you know, he lost that Derek Lewis fight in, in those championship rounds. But that fight was just, I mean, that was like the begin. That was like a, like a throwback to, like, when you would see a, a main event. And you're like, what is this main event? And... Uh, you know, it, it uh, it it went as you thought. You know, I think he was winning the fight a little bit, and you know, ended up getting finished there at the end. And Black didn't Beast, he beat uh, uh Travis Brown over five rounds? Was it wasn't that him who Shamil? Didn't no, he... no, no, it wasn't wasn't Shamil. Shamil uh, hasn't been around that long. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. But no, you're but right. I think right. That, yeah, but I think Shamil here. Um, you know, I just, I can't be investing in Dawkins here at this price when, you know, he's coming to UFC and he's, you know, he beat Parker Porter, you know, on that short notice and finished him at the end of the first round. But who knows what happens if that fight goes, uh, goes deeper, um, against Nascimento, you know, he was a big underdog there. I was all over him at that price. You know, he was a plus like 200. For sure. Yeah. Plus 240. Yeah, plus two forty. But you know, that was a, that was a spot like this dude doesn't, you know, um, he had his win condition. He yeah, he just hit his win condition. Rodrigo um was getting beat up by that French dude the other day uh on the feet. Has no striking, <laughs> terrible striker, and then he beat up old man Olinic. And you see what if you beat up old man Olinic like Spivak, that don't mean nothing about your stand-up. So, you know, I think that Shamil here, he'll be able to take some of these punches from Dawkins. Like Dawkins is still a uh you know, I saw you know, I saw him looking like Michael Chiesa but Chiesa, but he's a smaller guy, man. He 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 weighed in uh at two two thirty-four last time. He's probably even smaller than that he might be like 225 now he's he might be small but i want to see what shamil's looking like um he's been in the 250s before um Dawkins is built on speed um but shamil can move uh well as well um i think that he can probably extend this fight and if he gets Dawkins on his back i know you're from philly and you know Dawkins is a black belt and all that but <laughs> i'm a little skeptical if you know what i mean like oh if he'll you're be in trouble he'll be in if trouble you're, if, if he's you're a back. black belt and stuff and you're a heavyweight and all like you should be i should see you probably dominating or, or some like grappling footage of you there is really none of Dawkins. i saw him fight in um another legend uh a uh, zoo uh I, i'm not zoo even anyway yeah yeah I think Zoo had him on his back there, so I'm super skeptical. I like Shamil here. I think I'm going to bet him. Um, the, the the price is at plus 180, but I think I, I have to invest in Shamil. Um, one of my guys who's who's very sharp likes the over here. I'm not all the way in on that yet. You know, I hate heavyweight overs. You know that very well as much as every, anyone. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. So you, I think you've looked into this fight a little bit more. For me, it's just the price here with Shamil I need to to be involved um because you know i don't think that Dawkins is quite a top 15 for sure lockdown heavyweight and uh this is definitely even higher treatment than that um yeah it's kind of a cliche expression but i think a lot of recency bias is going in this line i mean shamil lost his last fight got finished in his last fight hasn't fought in two years Meanwhile, Dawkins been in the UFC a little over a year, three first round finishes, knocking everybody out, and uh, you know really had 
you know, no adversity in those first three fights either. Uh, I mean, maybe P Parker Porter hit him with a few shots, but they've been kind of best case scenario outcomes for Doc House. And uh, I think this fight's going to be different than that. Um, Doc House, the last time the fight went out of round one, he lost the fight by knockout in round two. Um, so I'm not firmly saying that Doc House has bad cardio, but it's definitely fair to raise the question of does he have good cardio? Does he can... Uh, sustain that striking attack in rounds two and three and he's not really proven to do so shumil on the other hand has won decisions one decisions over andre Olovsky, finished um uh, marching to burr in round two so um the later the fight goes the better it is for shamil and uh, i do believe shamil is the side here as well um you, you brought up a lot of good points about Shamil's skill set, but the guy's a, a competent striker, a, a competent wrestler. He can do good damage on top, and I don't think he's really going to be uh, blown out of the water in any aspect here. I think you you got to have a small bet on Shamil to start and then be ready to uh, fire that live line because the first two or three minutes, you do got to favor Dockhouse. He's been more active. He's a fast starter. Uh, the guy throws hands early. He likes to get in your face and land strikes early. So it's pretty safe to assume that Dockhouse is going to maybe jump out to an early lead here. We might see Shamil plus 200. Um and then we might even see Doc House just wipe him out in round one. Maybe Shamil is kind of done. Um, so that way you only have a small bet on Shamil and, and plan to add uh, maybe midway through at the end of round one. Um, and I think that, you know, if this fight goes into rounds two and three, Doc House probably isn't going to be justifying that minus 200. So um, pure pick wise, I guess I'll go Doc House. I think this should be a little closer to minus 150 for Doc House. And, uh, you know, I think that people are kind of writing Shumil off a little bit too early here, uh, coming off that inactivity and uh, especially coming off the Blades loss. I mean, Blades is a nightmare matchup for anybody, like you said. And take away that, the guy's got two wins over um, Arlovsky and Tabura, uh, which are two really good wins. So uh, I like Shamir, Shamil here. Here as well, from a betting perspective, um, first time I think I'm betting against Doc House in the UFC, but I think it's got to be done. Uh, value is value, and the value is on Shamil here, and that's going to take us to. Hold uh, on, let me just one more time ahead. to just put it put in perspective. This is Doc. His, his debut was 13 months ago. If you told anyone 13 months ago that Doc has to be a minus 200 favorite against Shamil, they'd be like, "There's like, there's no effing chance." Like, and Doc is potentially a light heavyweight. You got to take Shamil here. But I will say his win over Parker Porter is aging like fine wine as He's Parker Por as Parker Porter has proven to be uh, an elite pound for pound level talent. Um, you know, winning back to back fights plus 175. We love Parker Porter over here. So Shamil you might be the like a Parker Porter on steroids, to be fair. <laughs> Shamil's like know, the same man. kind of guy. Shamil's like the Parker same Porter kind of dude. Needs he, Parker Porter doesn't eat steroids, though. I mean, he's oh, so he's much of a man. He's so much of a powerhouse on his own. Um, that's going to take us to uh, a great fight in the lightweight division. This is as good as prelims get, man. What a, what a fight here. Um, in the lightweight division, we got Dan Hooker minus 145, Nasrat Hackbrass plus 125. Got a little... Got a, give a little bit of a prequel here. Uh, both these guys having trouble getting to the United States. Let's hope this fight actually takes place on Saturday night. Um, I think Hooker has got the clearance to travel. Uh, meanwhile, Nasrat is still in the process of getting approved. Um, so hopefully uh, this fight happens. Maybe they'll move it up and catch weight. Maybe they'll postpone it a week, but this is a fun matchup. And, um, you know, going through these guys' fights, I noticed that the Nasrat's UFC career has been so weird. You know, like, he, he's faced a lot of easy matchups when he faced the step up in competition in doper he got iced and then he goes right back to fighting nobody's like alex munoz and um 
Hoffa Garcia. So I don't think we've really seen Nasrat fight a, a nasty orthodox boxer, good striker like Dan Hooker. Um, meanwhile, we have seen Hooker face a Southpaw boxer, most notably Dustin Poirier. He won two rounds off of Dustin Poirier. Um, and had a lot of good ideas versus a southpaw boxer. He was smashing that inside leg kick uh, from the uh, the opposite stances. He was throwing in combination. He likes mixing up combos to the to the head and body, like how he knocked out uh, James Vick. And I just think that Dan Hooker is a, a more proven striker against high level fighters. Um, I'm not going to say I Quinta is high level, but he has outstruck I Quinta and close fights with Poirier and Felder. He's he's been around with those top 10 strikers while Nasrat really hasn't the best striker he's fought was Dober who was able to find the chin in about 60 seconds there. So I'm just not quite willing to trust Nasrat uh, in such a high step up in competition. I mean, the, the, the different, you know, this well, Ozzy, the difference between Dan Hooker and Hoffa Garcia might as well be night and day. Big. Um, so I, I got a favorite in the New Zealander here. Um, like I said, let's hope this fight takes place. I mean, these guys sound like they're going through some brutal circumstances right now, trying to get their fights booked. Um, but let's hope this fight uh, happens. And, uh, you know, should be a fun striking fight. I like both these guys a lot, but I got to go with the more proven fighter. And to me is Dan Hooker. So I like Hooker to win a decision here, 29-28, something like that. I got a good good deal of uh, thoughts about this fight, man. Like, you know, I was going into it, I was, you know, looking for, especially hearing Hooker's travel situation, I was looking for reasons to like Nasrat. Um, some reasons there, like you look at Hooker's um, record in decisions, not very good. I think it's like one in three or some, uh, let me confirm that uh, super quick. Yeah, three, three and six, excuse me, three and six. But a lot of these fights happen at 145. If the Felder fight, you know, the if the Poirier fight was uh, three rounds, he would have won that fight. Um, and, you know, he's had a lot of success here at 155. You know, I was against him against Michael Chandler when we were getting that plus price. But think about this. Hooker was minus 145, minus 150 consensus Same price, ag yeah. against Michael Chandler. Um, and you know, here Nasrat, like, you know, I, I guess like people are seeing maybe the stylistic nature that Nasrat could give him an issue with the left hand. Uh, you know, Hooker has shown, you know, he's a little short on the defense, uh, if that makes sense to some people, where he is in that angle to get hit with the left hand uh quite often. But Nasrat, like a lot of, you know, he's got, he's picked up some uh, knockdowns, but, uh, you know, guys have taken his punches, like, you know, uh, you know, on several occasions. Um, and, and I don't think that he's putting Dan Hooker out here. Um, Hooker has got a great, uh, clinch game, uh, both, you know, uh, both, uh, you know, if you give it to him or in pursuit of that clinch game, uh, he has takedowns as well from the body lock. You know, he could even hit a double leg. He took down, uh, Paul Felder. He took down Dustin Poirier, uh, you know, Nazareth definitely is pretty explosive and all, but just, I think the circumstances around his situation are probably even a bit worse than dan hookers if i'm being honest if how i'm looking at it um i think that you know hooker has the ability to push harder uh in these later rounds that if nazareth you know he started off slow a few times uh the the silva fight he started off slow 
the Hafa Garcia, he started. I think he lost. I, in my when I watched that fight, I scored the first round for Hafa Garcia, and then you know he 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 wave he wavered there. Um, Alex Munoz has no ability uh, to strike uh, really, um, and then he got iced by uh, uh, Drew Dober. So the first time, the first and only time he ever fought a guy who was not scared of him and was able and was able to 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 throw back uh, in the pocket, he got knocked out pretty quickly. So I don't I don't like Nazareth shots selection that much i think that hooker here with the kicks uh i think is, is also a big advantage uh to him uh i think his submission game could uh, could play a role here and i think that dan hooker's coming in focus here he's coming in hungry he doesn't want i mean three he doesn't want to lose three fights in a row um especially taking you know all, all the bs that he has to go through with this australia stuff um so i'm you know i like him here i i'm i'm not super enthused to lay the juice on him i, I there is one one bet I did make on this fight thus far, and I took Nazrat Hakpras by decision at plus three fifty. Um, I think that is a big part of his of how he would win this fight. Like I said, I don't think that he's going to be knocking Dober, uh, knocking Hooker out here. Um, and I think that that is a mispriced uh, prop line. Um, but I do like Dan Hooker here. I think that he'll be able to land a jab. Uh, his straight shots I think are better, and I think he'll be able to frustrate Nazrat. And and once Nazrat does get frustrated i think that it'll play into hooker's hands uh between his knees the clinch and the kicks that he's going to be able to throw out there but i do see this being a very competitive fight and you know hooker does need to watch out for that left hand but what else does he have to look out for from nazareth i don't know so i like the the uh the dan hooker side here and nazareth it's not like nazareth has an easy time making 155 i forgot who he was supposed to fight uh last time but he had a fight scheduled and he Armand, yeah, Armand. He had that fight scheduled, and he dropped out of it because he couldn't make weight. You know, I don't like think that's. Game. I don't think that's true. I think yeah, because that's why Rafa Garcia came in. It was supposed to be Nasrat versus Armand, and then Armand fell yeah. out. And then yeah, there was another. There was another fight that Nasrat was gonna fight. And he dropped out because he couldn't make weight. I remember it. Uh, Don Madge, maybe no. Oh no, no. I think it is Armand. I think you're right. You're right. He was. Yeah. yeah okay. Fuck it, it might whatever. be just like not coming out. Uh, uh, it, yeah, it, it, uh, it was USC two fifty seven. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, he he. It, it was. That's what it was. Yeah, USC two fifty seven. He was supposed to fight. So you know, I, I, um, I'm questionable about a you know in a fight where he has to push hard, and I know Dan Hooker's a dog man in, in a dog fight there. So yeah, uh, good, good point Hooker. about the uh, Nasrat decision. I think that's his most likely outcome by a pretty wide margin. And uh, Hooker no scorecards, also minus one forty five. I think he's way more likely to finish. That's gonna take us to the last prelim on the card. Um, another great prelim fight: Marab Davalashvili uh, taking on Marlon Marais. Uh, Marab minus two fifty six. Marais plus two sixteen. Of course, this is in the bantamweight division, and uh, you can start this one off, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this fight? Yeah, so really interesting fight how it came together here. You know, uh, obviously, you know, Marab is training up there uh, with the Sarah Longo team. Uh, Marais used to train with uh, Ricardo Almeida. And there's a, a little a tiny bit of a connection there. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Marlon is, you know, on a bad run right here for the most part. Three of his last four, uh, he lost. Um, but, you know, obviously, very top top tier guys uh, he was fighting there. Um, 
And, you know, he, he he's coming in here against a guy in Marab who nobody wants to fight at all. Um, you know, his, 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 the wrestling on Marab is just a, you know, a bitch to handle that pace that he's at. Um, you know, and I think that in that last fight against Cody, he showed, uh, some better striking. I, I liked how he was looking in the pocket. I think he's coming into this fight, super focused. Um, I'm not, you know, I was saying earlier in the week, I was thinking about laying the juice on Marab just because I, you know, he's been so dominant and he's so consistent. But, um, you know, here against Marlon, Marlon is definitely dangerous. I think he'll, like like you said, I try to handicap these and, like, look to it. How is this guy, is this guy going to come in and have a better performance uh, than, you know, in, than in his last few? And I do think that Marab, uh, um, excuse me, Marlon is going to look pretty good. I think he's going to be able to fire off some of these inside low kicks. I think will be a big uh, thing for him uh, and, and, and looking to stick the jab early on. And I don't think Marab is in a... Uh, force the wrestling too early here because I, he knows that if he can draw this fight out a little bit more uh watch that left hat, uh, head kick from uh marlin uh that he it's gonna be big advantage to him um but i'm not you know i'm not parlaying marab i think that you know marlin does have an opportunity to win this fight even if it uh, maybe goes a little bit later um i see he's been working his wrestling with uh the kid from uh ATT that's in uh, Bellator now, Danny Sabatello. Uh, he's at ATT. So, you know, I think he's coming in here prepared. But Marab, on the other hand, you know, his that whole Saralongo team is so hungry right now. They've got, they're hitting on all cylinders. Um, and you'll see that in the next pay-per-view, uh, a little precursor there uh, to where, where the Bantamweight champions are going to remain. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, I think that they, they've got a good energy going on over there. I saw that they, he has a, a old striking coach of mine uh, in that was, uh, you know, a, uh, a sparring partner to, to, to mirror Marab. And I think it's, I mean, mirror Marlin. And I think it's a great look, uh, you know, for him in that. And, you know, I think that Marab's coming in here super prepared. I think he's looking to make a statement potentially um and i think that he uh potentially could finish this at some point because you know marat i mean uh, marlin's just his gas tanks look so bad um and if you put him on a back foot he's been really really um susceptible but you've got to look out for this guy throwing knees and those kicks going backwards while marlin is in a heavy or while marab is in heavy pursuit so, so uh, I'll, I'll pick marab Kind of a tough fight to break down because Marlon hasn't faced a wrestler like Marab in so long. Um, throughout his entire UFC career, he's really been fortunate not to run into many wrestlers. So it's hard to know how Marlon is going to look defending these takedowns. But it's it's hard to imagine uh, him having success um, defending those takedowns for long periods of time. I mean, Marab takes down pretty much anyone he wants to. And... I see no reason to think that Marlon can stop that, honestly. So I think Marab will get some takedowns. Um, he's never a, a big top position guy, never holds people down for long periods of time, but he hits those takedowns. He grinds you out against the cage. And I think that that's an, a, a good way to, to wear Marlon down. I think Marlon is really only fresh for the first like three or four minutes of a fight and then really starts to wilt after that and loses a lot of power behind his shots. And as long as Marab can fight with kind of a wrist mitigation technique in round one, really watch out for that left head kick. Watch out for that good guillotine of Marais uh, when he's shooting his takedowns. I think if he can avoid getting finished in round one, rounds two and three really heavily favor him and the pace he puts on people, the nonstop pressure. And Marab's uh, striking is, you know, steadily improving. Uh, I was picking and betting John Dodson to beat him. Um, 
And, you know, he actually outboxed John Dodson for most of that fight, didn't wrestle as much as he typically does in his fights and, and really proved that his striking is improving as well. Um, so I think that the, the nonstop output in the striking, the takedown attempts, the, the nonstop cardio of Marab is just too good to be picking against him here. And, uh, Marais is likely going to need a round one finish if he wants to win the fight at all. And, uh, it's seeming like Marais is, is kind of shot. You know, I don't think, um, the guy is the fighter he once was taking knockouts and back to back fights uh, i think and you know there's a good chance that he he never will return to the fighter he once was so i like marab here and a good prop i bet for this fight um danny lags discovered this one but it's marab knockout or decision minus 135 uh, i'm not sure why the price is is that narrow um marab's submission seems really low possibility to me so i like that a lot it's a lot better price than money line and uh, i think marab's gonna win this one pretty uh comfortably as long as he doesn't get uh you know his head kicked off in the first round so um marais round one combined with that marab uh, knockout decision prop seems like a good way to guarantee profit here and uh, that's going to take us to the main card uh, the first of five fights takes place in the women's flyweight division we have jessica andrage as the minus 255 favorite cynthia calvillo coming back at plus 215 and andrage should have the advantage everywhere here in my opinion um you know she's not a super technical uh, methodical striker but she hits so hard she's a great pressure fighter. She knows how to dig to the body really well. She's so damaging in the feet that she doesn't need to have that clean technique that most fighters do. She's so powerful that she can really make up for that, um, that disparity in her skill with that power. So I think the striking is going to favor Andrade here. Andrade has the better offensive wrestling of the two. I think that was pretty quickly proven by the Chukagian fights where we saw a Calvillo really struggled to take Chukagian down and got stuck at range was just getting picked apart by Chukagian for most of that fight at range. Meanwhile, Andrade bullied her way into the clinch, took Chukagian down a few times and eventually finished her with that body shot in round one. And, um, I just think that, uh, Andrade has recovered everywhere, you know, um, uh, the only area I see uh, Andrade having some trouble here is the wrestling. We saw Shevchenko put on a wrestling clinic versus Andrade in her last fight. If Calvillo um, replicates that same game plan, she could have success, but her wrestling is not as good as Shevchenko's. Her top game isn't as good, and Andrade actually stood up from a lot of those takedowns from Shevchenko. So even if Calvillo gets her down, I think Andrade will be so athletic and explosive that she's going to be hard to hold down. So it's hard to see Calvillo having any uh, sustained success here. And if you like Calvillo, just better by decision plus 490. I don't think that she's the type of fighter to finish Andrade. Only really elite fighters can finish Andrade um, with big power on the feet. And, and just Calvillo is not that type. So Calvillo decision plus 490. I think that's a good bet, even though I don't have much faith in her. Um, and, uh, you know, Andrade should, uh, should win this one pretty comfortably, probably cover her price tag as well. What are you thinking about this one? You think the line's wide here? Um, you know, I do think it is, it is a little, a little much here because, you know, these flyweight girls, they're just so volatile and it's evident by like, you know, just overreactions all the time take place, you know, in Cynthia Calvillo's last fight, you saw she had that like decision went over Jessica. I, you know, where she's a pick em. And then like two months later, she's plus or minus 240 over Chukagian. That was like one of the best bets I've ever made on Chukagian decisions, like plus 300. But, you know, here, I think um, just the thing is, if 
Cynthia can have any grappling success. I think that, you know, Jessica just does not show, you know, I was disappointed in seeing her ground game in that last fight because she just not does not really show great instincts on the ground. Even though she is a jiu-jitsu black belt, a lot of her stuff is just, you know, being super strong and, you know, getting top position and all. And Cynthia is, is, is a tricky girl on the ground. You know, she has a lot of finesse to her game. Uh, she knows how to, uh, you know, attack with her underhooks uh, and keep her underhooks to, to keep ground control and get to better positions, whether that be in the clinch or on the ground. And, you know, she's sneaky and getting uh, to the back. So I don't like this price on Jessica Andrade. Um, you know, I do think that, you know, on the feet and, and stuff, the thing is, you know, when she is in, you know, heavy pursuit and all, like, Chukagan is just so noodly and she doesn't really look to to um, get the fight back on her pace, which I do think that Jessica or uh, uh, Cynthia does have that that ability to do that. I think she's able, she, she knows how to, you know, slow the fight down if she needs to. She has a jab. Uh, she has, you know, some stuff to, to, to use there. But, you know, it's going to be difficult for her because she does not have any power uh to keep jessica off of her at all at all and you know when you go from facing valentina and looking across at that stone cold uh killer uh to to looking across the cynthia calvillo you know you have to be really you know happy about that so you know that's another thing there but i do think you know potentially here you know i don't I'm, i don't think i'm gonna get too involved in this fight maybe if if uh, cynthia's price wanders out a little bit more I'll take a little stab, but like you said, that decision, you know, line is not bad, but I do think this fight, you know, probably does go over. Uh, Cynthia's pretty tough. Like, I don't think she's in a fold uh, easily, even if Jessica's like bombing on her with punches, you know, she might just even pull guard. Like if it's getting, you know, overwhelming uh, to her, she's never been finished in her UFC, in her MMA career at all. Um, and I don't think that, you know, Jessica, even though she is very, very aggressive, um, you know, she, she is sometimes patient uh you know coming in and stuff so you know i do think that uh you know this potentially ha this has the potential to hit the cards because i don't think that um you know cynthia is going to want to throw an exchange with her so i think it'll be tough for her for jessica to get a uh to get a finish uh because of that because she's not a girl that really sets up a lot of her punches when, when she does get finishes it's like you know her hitting a counter like it was uh against carolina and the chukagian punch right both of those came where uh i think they weren't looking for that shot i think it was like a exiting out in you know after an exchange and i think cynthia is in the look to skirt around uh and avoid uh you know prolonged striking exchanges Nice. So uh sounds like you have a little more confidence in uh, Calvio than I do. Um, but uh, that decision prop is pretty good. Um, even though I, I don't think it's going to win, I might bet it uh, anyway. Um, the, the goals the distance is not a bad price or the over. So I think I, I'll probably find my way on something like that for action. Yeah, I mean, GGD is what, plus 110 or something? Yeah, I mean, if it's good. And it says minus, it's still minus, minus 120. Oh, yeah, you're right. The right. best price. Um, yeah, so I mean, if it goes, the, if goes the distance is favored, then why is Calvio decision five to one nearly? You know, it's, it doesn't make much sense. Right. Um, so uh, next fight, heavyweight division, Curtis Blades, minus 310, Jarzino Rosenstrike, plus 260. 
you could start this one off, Ozzy. I doubt you'll have any uh, groundbreaking analysis to this one. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, obviously, Blades is coming in here off that you know crazy knockout in his last fight. Jarzinho, you know, hit that buzzer beater uh, in his last fight. So, you know, obviously, Blades here, he's looking, he's looking to get this fight to the ground. I think if this is on the feet, Jarzinho, it hits really hard. Probably one of the biggest hitters at heavyweight. Um, he has a bit, a pretty nice uh diverse you know i mean diverse enough like he can knock you out with either hand from whichever angle like he can land a jab and knock you out he can land uppercuts you know hooks from everywhere this guy could hit you he probably even has uh, some kicks in here that he can mix up um but he's a complete turtle on his back he's i don't think he's offering much get up ability at all unless he could potentially maybe uh you know find his back to the fence like you know go down you know just not all the way um and if blades is able to wrist ride this guy i think he he'll be able to potentially get him out of there but the thing with blades is a lot of times he's wrist riding these guys. Some of these wrestlers, why don't they ever put in hooks? I don't understand. Like when you put in hooks and you, you know, put those hips in, they, these guys should look at uh, Dayton Fix, uh, 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 Oklahoma State wrestler for you casuals. Um, you know, put those hooks in, flatten <laughs> that guy out, and finish them. These guys, they'll 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 be behind them, just throwing these uh, these punches, and then the guys will get up, and then they'll have to put them back down and put the freaking legs in. It's not that hard, and flatten the guy out. But anyway, I digress. You know, uh, I think that Blades should win this fight. Uh, I think if he attaches himself to a leg of Jarzinho at any time, Jarzinho is not going to be able to defend the takedown. Um, and that's like my analysis of the fight. I don't need to get, go too far into it. Um, but if Blades is on the feet here, uh, for any prolonged stretch, uh, I hate it. I'm not paying minus 300. I know some of my guys are like, man, this is a parlay booster. Like, this is a money line booster. Like, this is an easy win. But, you know, I don't lay juice on these heavyweight fights, man. It's just weird things happen. Um, you know, guys don't follow the game plan. Guys just fall down from one punch. It's too much for me. I'm not involved. Uh, so I'll kick it to you. Uh, well, he is minus 310 now, and uh, Cyril Gan was minus 310 uh, for his last fight, so maybe there's a little bit of good luck there. Um, you know, same thoughts as you, obviously. The striking favors Rosen Strike, but Blades isn't going to be completely uh, out of his depth in the striking. But if you're Blades, why strike at all? You know, you could uh, you could shoot a low single leg with no setup and and probably get Rosen Strike down pretty easily here. Um, Rosenstrike's frame is just not built to wrestle. He does not have the skill to escape bottom. Uh, just not a great grappler. Um, simple as that. And he's fighting a tremendous wrestler, a guy who, once he gets on top, uh, can unleash nasty ground and pound. It's a bit of a curious case with Curtis Blades because some fights he likes to hit takedowns and just like chill on top and coast to a decision. And then sometimes he actually feels like finishing you and like. When he actually does throw strikes, he is pretty brutal on top. Uh, that Shamil knockout, the uh, Overeem knockout most notably. So uh, I feel like if Blades shows some enthusiasm here, he should get the TKO. You know, Rosenstrike doesn't have the ability to get off his back, especially with Blades on top of him. So if Blades just throws a few strikes after the takedown, it should be a TKO here. So I'll go with Blades TKO round two here. Um, it's kind of just a question of Blades... Uh, by finish or Ro or blades by decision. I really don't think Rosenstrike can win this fight. And if you like Rosenstrike, just take him by knockout, take him by round one knockout, because I don't think he can win the fight any other way. 
And uh, that's going to do it for this fight. Going to take us to the next fight, which is the first of three five-round fights. This is a non-title middleweight fight, a rematch, 17 years in the making. We got uh, Robbie Lawler as the minus 125 favorite, taking on Nick Diaz plus 105. A little bit of action came in on Robbie Lawler the past 24 hours um, after Nick Diaz did some interviews. Uh, that video of him came out where he's shadow boxing, getting his picture taken. Um, definitely looks a bit old, but, um, you know, you can't put too much stock in the speculative things like that, like interviews and whatnot. Um, but obviously a very difficult fight to break down. You got two severely past their prime fighters here. Nick Diaz, no fights in six and a half years, no wins in almost 10 years. Robbie Lawler lost four or five fights in a row, um, got dominated in most of them. Um. But you got to give Lawler some some slack because he is facing like top ten welterweights, RDA, uh, Covington, Neil Magny. Uh, I'm sure all those guys would dunk on Nick Diaz as well. Um, but it's we have seen Robbie Lawler look bad recently. You know, like there's kind of some speculation on how Nick Diaz will look. Will he? You know, will that layoff maybe be good for him? Um, I mean, there's certainly no chance that Nick Diaz improves, right? Like he's not going to be better than he was six years ago, but he might return to that same form. Um, meanwhile, with Lawler, I mean, we have seen him look bad. We've seen him get, you know, outboxed, out-wrestled by Colby Co- Covington. We saw him get bombed down by RDA. Uh, Neil Magny outgrappled him really badly. So Lawler has not looked like his, himself recently. Um, it looks like he's pretty rapidly deteriorating in there. Just doesn't have that same tenacity, that same aggression that he once did. Um, you know, when, when you're looking at the, the Neil Magny fight, uh, you know, he had to win that fight at distance. He was getting out grappled at range or uh, he was getting out grappled throughout most of the fight. And you'd think that he would make the striking exchanges at range count. You'd think he'd be trying to get a knockout or something, but he just didn't have that fight left in him. Um, so this will be uh, his most forgiving matchup that he's faced in several years. But uh, I kind of think the matchup favors Nick Diaz because I think he's got the better style for an old guy. You know, he he was a southball boxer who plots forward, who throws hands, who throws the occasional leg kick, not a very athletically demanding style. Um, so the fact that he hasn't fought in six or seven years, he's 38 years old now. I, I don't think that's the worst case for him because his style doesn't require like a fresh body. You know, he's, he's going to be boxing in there. There's nothing else that he's going to do. Uh, I don't think there any type of grappling is expected in this fight from either side. I expect uh, a five round competitive striking fight. Um, and I think the safest bet here is the fight going the distance. Uh, I think, uh, both of them, or I know both of them don't have that big one punch power. They've never been known for that. And both are fighting at 185, not having to cut as much weight. And I just don't think uh, we're going to see knockouts here. I don't think we're going to see either guy hurt. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to imagine a finish on either side here. Uh, I guess Lawler finish is the more likely of the two, but uh, the goes the distance is hanging around minus 130. I think that's the the bet to be on here. Um, I got on uh, fight starts round three on a little bit of a line air on FanDuel. They had that hanging at minus 205 for uh, a few days there. So I was able to get that. And uh, still, I think the fight going the distance is value. Um, it's minus 130 currently. That means the fight finishes by finish 45% of the time. I think that number is batshit crazy. Uh, so I'll be picking Nick Diaz to, to win a decision here. Uh, three rounds to two, four rounds to one. And um, GTD is the best bet. So what are your thoughts here, Ozzy? 
and Nick Diaz is fucking back. I don't, you know, I'm not going to believe it until I see the fucker in the cage uh, or at least walking out to the cage. But I mean, I'm a massive Nick Diaz fan. Like when I first started watching MMA, you know, a long time ago, you know, about 15, 16 years back. Um, I think the first fight of his that I watched live was that insane fight against Diego Sanchez. And guys, do do yourself a favor. Give this guy the respect. Go watch his fights. And to be honest, his best fights are his are some of his losses. Like he the stretch that he went through, the Diego Sanchez, Joe Riggs, Sean Shirk fight. Those fights, I think that's for a guy that lost all of those, like three of my favorite fights of all time. Uh, the Carl Parisian fight. I mean, this guy, Nick Diaz, had an amazing career. Um, you know, this that was around the time when I first started training uh, in jiu-jitsu, and I was, you know, just enamored. Um, you know, when he, when he beat Takanori Gomi, um, I think I was up at like midnight or whatever time it was at Japanese time, the difference, and I found some bullshit. That fight took place in America, sorry. Whatever, my my uh, my bad. Uh, but you know, I was it was pride. So I, I found the stream. I found a sh it was a job. You know, being up talking or you go me. I found. I think that was the last event that Pride had, maybe second to last. But I found a stream, and I was like, holy dude. The next, I mean, you guys don't understand. The next day, we're at training, and everybody's going for Gogo Plata's. You got guys that training for like, you know, everybody's trying to say, oh, this is how you do the Gogo Plata. No, this is how you do the Gogo Plata. It it was crazy, man. And you know, he he went on uh to 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 you know go to Strike Force and Elite X, uh, uh, FC and. Uh, XC and you know unfortunate end of the career i would say um with kind of like how he got set up and you know his comeback here to ufc and all but i mean you know let's just get into the matchup because i'm obviously I'm a, I'm a super big nick diaz fan fanboy um, yeah huge fan i mean the guy's just awesome man it's just just like a a, a great style um a style that not that i try to emulate but a, that i really did admire a guy that could could strike on the feet uh had piss poor wrestling but you know used his weapons uh to to his advantage and that's you know i, I really respect that even with guys you know nowadays just you know fighting to your strengths uh, building a game around, uh, you know, your attributes that, that works, uh, uh, enough, uh, well for you. Um, but yeah, so, you know, going into this fight though, you know, Robbie Lawler here is coming in. Uh, you know, I just think he's, he's pretty shot overall, you know, in that fight against Neil Magny, he actually went for the, I remember I bet Robbie Lawler there and he actually went for the grappling, uh, first before yeah. Neil Magny did. Uh, and Confusing. I think that's, yeah, that's why he ended up losing that first round because, you know, it ended, it, it, it put him into uh, a cycle there that, you know, he was down on. But, you know, I think that how the fight plays out here, you know, and I did see that video just now pop up with him, like shadow boxing and stuff. But how I see it play out, if Nick Diaz is, you know, in any way, you know, him himself, if he, if he has been training, if he has been doing that stuff, which I think he has, and I don't think that he is going to lose that many steps. Um, I think how Robbie Lawler approaches this fight, whether it be him being uber aggressive uh, to, to start the fight, uh, you know, coming at Nick Diaz and trying to knock his head off with some of the, whatever power he still has, or if he's very patient, you know, unless the fight comes to him, I think both of them honestly play into Nick Diaz's hands because uh, if it's a slow fight, you know, Nick can, you know, start to to knock that ring rust off, get more comfortable in there as it goes. And if uh, Robbie Law is just coming in here trying to take his head off, I think Nick Diaz, the thing that he won't have lost is some of that uh, 
defensive minded stuff that he has where you know he he rolls with punches decently uh he has a really good chin he's always shown that so i'd be really surprised to see like you said you, you know those uh props that you're talking about um are very juiced because uh that's how they see it they see that robbie lotto doesn't have the power to probably put nick diaz away and nick diaz will probably be able to stay behind his uh you know his guard and stuff and be able to to avoid the big shot there um you know but what i do am concerned about is how um nick diaz is with you know reaching his punches you know finding those the target on robbie lawler consistently you know hitting him to the body coming back up to the head how is his cadence there how is his um distance management there both these guys are southpaws you know, I've never been impressed with Robbie Lawler's jab, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. So we'll see how Nick Diaz is able to settle into that pocket range uh, and be able to start unloading on Lawler. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some stuff that plays into the hands of Diaz with it being a five-round fight, all those things, uh, you know, I mentioned there. And I think that Lawler sometimes, you know, he, he he's shown that he kind of gets stuck in the mud, you know, to take a thing from uh, Conor McGregor and that, you know, Kobe, uh, Kobe coming to the fight in that Rafael Dos Anjos fight, you see a lot of times uh, he's very immobile. He stops moving after a while. When he does start fatiguing, he he's he's not you know moving around in the cage and you know moving his feet. And if he if Nick Diaz gets going uh, and that. Thing, that trait of Lawler comes out. I think that Nick Diaz is gonna start putting uh, punches on him in bunches, uh, and and you'll see the old Nick Diaz. Um, so I'm trying to avoid you know being too much into this fight in terms of putting a bet on it. Uh, I think this these narratives. I saw Josh Thompson that you know that dude you know saying hey i saw a video of nick diaz getting knocked out blah 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 blah, blah. all these rumors and stuff um which you know you cannot neither confirm or deny you know josh thompson should be the last guy talking about that stuff because one time before one of his fights people were saying that he got knocked out by aaron pico and all this stuff and i think it ended up being true but um you should he should know to not to talk not to talk about that but i'm not relying on anything he's saying there um and i don't think robbie Lawler is knocking him out anyway it doesn't really matter to me um, so, you know, I like Nick here. If this price keeps going up, you know, it's plus 105 here in some places. I think I'll have to get involved for a small bet. Um, and I could, because I just think that Robbie Lawler, you know, it, how I don't really like him to win three out of five rounds, uh, here against Nick, if Nick is, you know, going to be in there for the whole time. So I hope that Nick comes in here, focus comes here, here to win. Isn't, you know, into the antics. If Robbie Lauda is not pursuing him that much. Uh, and that's why ultimately you need to be small on this fight on a, in a money line perspective. If you do like Nick, um, and, but probably be careful if you like Robbie Lawler a lot here, because, you know, I'm, I'm not very confident in him, uh, in being able to like, I don't think he's been training all, like people are like hey he's at Sanford all this stuff like I don't he's not in there grinding every day man you know he's been out for a year he's trying to say that you know you win or lose it's not gonna be his retirement fight it's, I think it's BS because he was saying you know Nick Diaz is like the only fight that I get excited for now and all this stuff so I think he's trying to hype himself up a little bit uh to, to think that this is not the end of his career but um but I think it is overall and I think he's gonna lose this fight uh if I were to have to pick it straight up and uh, two points just to wrap this up. It, one thing a little concerning that Nick said is that he he thinks he could, he should be fighting Usman currently. He said that he doesn't know why he's fighting Robbie because <laughs> it's a rematch. So hopefully he's not looking past Robbie. I mean, he does have a, a tough test in front of him. And last thing I'll say, a little bit of statistics here for you as you mm. love. Um, the Colby-Robbie Lawler fight took place at distance. It says for about 16 out of 25 minutes. 
and Colby landed 154 distance strikes over the course of 16 minutes. So, I mean, if if Colby Covington is landing 10 strikes a minute on you, not a good look. I mean, I know he has the, the pace, the pressure, the wrestling to to go along with it, but still, I mean, uh, Colby just, you know, easily outstriking Robbie there, not a good look. Um, all right, so that's going to take us to the co-main event. Uh, Doubt we'll spend too much time on this one. Uh, women's flyweight, Shevchenko, the champion, minus 1,700. Lauren Murphy, plus 850. Uh, I started the last one off. You start this one off, yeah. Ozzy. Tell us why you're picking Lauren Murphy to pull off the upset. Mean Murph. Mean Murph, been, you know, it's been getting me to the window quite often. You know, I really like her, um, you know, a lot. So, you know, I think I've bet her in every fight except for that Sh Shaki Kova, whatever that fight. Uh, that was a dumb, that was a dumb one by me, but all the other ones I was on her plus money on all of them. Uh, but, you know, here she's, uh, she's coming in here against Shevchenko. Her paths to victory are, you know, making this a grindy fight, I guess. But the thing is, uh, Shevchenko is just so explosive at, at some points uh, when she goes to the clinch or anywhere uh, there. So I think that it's going to be very, very difficult for Lauren Murphy. You know, he, she showed her ground game in that uh, uh, Calderwood fight and, you know, showed that she was heavy on top when she got it to the ground. But I don't think that she's going to be able to control Valentina, uh, even if she does, uh, you know, get the clinch or go for takedowns. Uh, you know, Valentina's a southpaw, so I think she's going to be ripping lauren murphy's body consistently and i think this is very prime for a head kick knockout by uh <laughs> by shevchenko for sure just she's really really good on you know coming with that from that left hand side um you know, sneaking in that left kick you know and doing that like double crow cop miracle crow cop attack uh there and you know murphy's just a little slow on the on the feet she doesn't move her head at all very much uh and and you saw in that jo joanne calderwood fight joanne just when she started getting uh uh lauren's uh timing going you know she was able she was boxing her up pretty well hitting her for, with teeps hitting her with straight shots bloodying her up and i think the same thing is probably in the cards here uh for shevchenko you know doing that to her as well shevchenko ko would probably be my pick here you know i know some people like the over you know, some of my guys have been telling me about that, but I just think Shevchenko big. I mean, the KO is not good enough price. If you could get plus money, I guess, on the KO, I'd, I'd take a stab at that for action. But otherwise, uh, I'll just sit back, admire the work of Shevchenko, and uh, be pretty confident that she uh, she wins this, at, you know, however way she wants. Yeah, I mean, you got to like Laura Murphy. I mean, if you don't like her, then you're not a good better, in my opinion, because she's been an underdog. She's been in really good betting spots the past, uh, you know, several spots. She's been plus EV in probably her best four uh, fights. Um, you and I were definitely on her versus uh, Calderwood. And, you know, against the lower level opponents, she can steal rounds with those late takedowns, but that's not going to come into play here. Um, you know, Shevchenko should really butcher her on the feet. The striking shouldn't really be close at all. I mean, Murphy's a decent boxer, but, you know, the wealth of footwork and strike diversity from uh, Shevchenko is just going to be a whole different level. So if Murphy wants to win, she's going to have to win three out of five rounds with her top control. And I don't think her wrestling or top game is good enough. We did see Maya win one round with a top game versus Shevchenko, but uh, that was kind of random. That was kind of you know, very fortunate sequence of events for Maya there. And I don't think Murphy can replicate that. So um, full disclosure, I suck at picking Shevchenko outcomes. Whenever I pick her by finish, she decisions. Whenever I pick her by decision, she finishes. 
but I will be picking finish here. I'll pick a one, two, three, uh, finish some, sometime in there. Um, but I know you're uh, big on the trends here, uh, Ozzy. Shevchenko has kind of gone back and forth with her past uh, eight fights, I think, with uh, decision finish. Yep, decision finish in her past. Uh, actually, it's 10 fights. She's alternated. Um, so that's interesting. You know, very interesting here. She did finish against Andrade on course. So the, the trend points towards Shevchenko decision. But let's not let's hope it's not a decision because it should be very dominant. And let's hope that Shevchenko just uh, finishes this one quickly. And, um, you know, looking forward to get getting Murphy back in there against some uh, some winnable fights. Um, but this is not one of them, unfortunately, for her. So let's hope Murphy doesn't get she hurt re- too badly. She should replace uh, Ketlin Vieira. She should be go out there, get choked out, and go up for that number one contender fight. There you at, go. Uh, yeah. at, at 135, I think. Or Shevchenko should do that. Shevchenko does, yeah, I'll just beat up Misha Tate for the fun of it. Non-title <laughs> fight. Um, easy paycheck. All right, that's going to take us to the main event. Uh, featherweight division for the championship. We got champion Alexander Volkanovsky, minus 175. Brian Ortega, plus 150. This fight was supposed to happen back in March, got canceled due to COVID. These guys ended up co- coaching the Ultimate Fighter. Now the fight's back on. And uh, I'm just going to say I favor Volkanovsky here. I, I think that uh, I would cap him closer in the- to the 70% range. Um, so I do have two units on him at minus 162 odds. He got as good as minus 147 at times, but I didn't pull the trigger uh at the right time, unfortunately, but still up until minus 200, I think there's value on Volkanovsky. And I'll say that Ortega's best chance, I believe, is to win by finish. I think that he needs to win by finish in the first three rounds uh, because Volkanovsky is such a great round winner. He's such a great uh, adaptable fighter. He makes reads as the fight goes on. Uh, clearly evident in his last fight against uh, Max Holloway, he had a tough round one and two, lost those rounds at the end of the round with those late knockdowns. But, you know, didn't skip a beat, just got right back to work, won rounds three, four, and five, and picked up his second decision victory in a row over Max Holloway. And for him to beat Max Holloway two times over the course of 50 minutes, I mean, just proves how elite level fighter Volkanovsky is. Not to mention his, you know, victories over Chad Mendes and uh, Jose Aldo um, with, you know, pretty great performances there as well. So Volkanovsky is not the, the flashiest fighter. He he doesn't really go for finishes. I don't think he's a fan favorite, but I think he's a great round winner. I think he's a great distance striker. He's skilled in the clinch. He can hit offensive takedowns. I really think the guy is uh, an elite level fighter in every aspect of MMA. And Ortega is really going to have to to stun him early on here. I think um, Ortega is going to have to land a big punch, you know, a big spitting elbow or something of some sort, um, which is kind of possible because Ortega does have really good use of his elbow. He's one of the few fighters who throws elbows like in close uh, at the distance striking. Um, so Ortega is going to have to land a big shot. He's going to have to swarm Volkanovsky and get him out of there, uh, you know, with uh, strikes or uh, jump on a submission like he likes to do. But if he doesn't do that in the first three rounds, I think rounds four and five, the longer the fight goes, it really favors Volkanovsky and Volkanovsky is going to make reads and take over. So I think Ortega will win around here, maybe round one or two with uh, Volkanovsky just start, starting to make reads and, and heating up. But as the fight goes on, we're going to see uh, Volkanovski chop down the legs, start to outbox Ortega, and uh, likely get the fight in the clinch, possibly even take Ortega down if he wants to. And uh, last thing I'll say is that 
I think the market is kind of overreacting to Ortega's most recent victory against Korean Zombie. Um, Zombie is a guy who stands right in front of you. He doesn't pressure you. He doesn't have many wins outside of round one in his career. And Ortega, you know, just outboxed him and looked very good in that fight. But I think Volkanovski is like a polar opposite of of uh, Korean Zombie. And this is going to be such a different matchup that that last fight of Ortega's isn't going to be too relevant. So uh, I think the goes the distance is pretty likely here. And uh, if it goes the decision, it heavily favors Volkanovski. And I'll wrap this one up but with my pick as Volkanovski 49-46. Pass this one over to you, Ozzy. What are you thinking about the main event for the Featherweight Championship? Yeah, man. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of of Ryan Ortega, you know, and I loved watching his last fight, him come out looking uh, so different there, um, you know, and throw a lot of, a lot of different wrenches out there, um, you know, for, for Chan Sung Jung to deal with, you know, uh, Volkanovski, he's just been underwhelming to me overall. You know, I feel just there, not that overwhelming, just, you know, there's a lot of things about his game that I'm, you know, I, I don't know how well they're going to age. Like, you know, I do think that he has some, you know actually you know grappling game that he he just never goes to you know if you watch that like jeremy kennedy fight he just absolutely smashed that guy from on top uh once he got there and you know he's really difficult to move uh when he gets there and he he's pretty educated uh and he throws really really good ground and pound shots but um you know i think ortega here poses a lot of problems potentially for uh for uh alexander volkanovsky i think it's been about a year right since that chance on jung fight so i think that ortega he's still improving man i think that he you know in that fight just came out just so many different ways that uh you know that, that uh that I hadn't seen before between the kicks, between the southpaw stance, between, you know, some of those, you know, spinning back elbows that he's throwing, some of the power that he was showing with some of those punches, uh, and then his transition game, which has always been, uh, you know, really, really good. But I, I just like that wrinkle that he showed and the ability that he was, uh, you know, fighting from that uh, southpaw stance, which we've never seen Volkanovski deal with a southpaw before. I mean, his main strategy in those Max Holloway fights was throwing, you know, eight thousand leg kicks uh over the course of the fight and i just don't think that's gonna be like i don't think that brian ortega is really gonna be respecting that like you know it, it, it he's not brian uh volkanovsky is not winning this fight by just throwing leg kicks you know for 25 minutes against uh ortega you know i do think that volkanovsky throws some good hooks and some good punches in the pocket uh he he has his hands up you know typically uh and and he he's able to throw punches on a weak side but i think ortega here he stays behind his punches and his kicks really really well i think this is probably a fight that is slow to progress uh but i i like ortega here overall you know i really want to take a bet on him here because i just think he's in the be able to have some success on uh volkanovsky early here um i think that obviously his submission game is going to be there um but his wrestling is the thing that i'm i'm skeptical about i do i do think that uh if he is put on his back I'm, i don't think that volkanovsky should be that afraid there because even though it's t city and everything like that it's still you know the submissions that he gets are usually in transitions i don't think that he's going to be guard submissioning uh volkanovsky in his sweep game i'm not sure about it overall so you know i wouldn't be surprised by volkanovsky coming in here with some grappling game plan here to to get this fight to the ground in some way shape or form but you know i just just i don't 
think that he is a, a runaway winner here, especially with how Brian, uh, I think, is able to look early on in this fight. I, I think if the fight goes on later, I definitely favor Volkanovski in those championship rounds. I think that Ortega, um, you know, it's probably going to, he has to step on the gas early on and and look to to, to put some damage on uh, Volkanovski. But Volkanovski's got a blockhead. I don't think he's particularly that difficult to, to hit. But like you said, when he does come with that pressure, um, I do think that he is uh he's he's a son of a bitch to handle. Um but I like Ortega, man. I think that he, he he'll be able to land some punches on uh on, on Volkanovski. I don't think Volkanovski is going to be, you know, landing as much as he's used to with the uh with how, the stance that and and the game that Ortega is going to look to employ here. And I do think there is a potential for for him to to lose this fight. So you know, I'm I'll still pick Volkanovski here. Um, I do think that the price potentially like. You know, it could go both ways. I do think that there's people very interested, though, in Brian Ortega here. Um, you know, even though the price has been going in Volkanovski's direction here, uh, and I'd be surprised if this goes higher than that because you know, if if I get a plus, uh, let's see, what is it now? If I get a plus, like, yeah, if I get a plus like 160, 165 uh, on um, Ortega, I think I will take that. Um, and 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 you know hope for a for a close fight here where where I could potentially you know get out of that because Ortega is just so tough and I think that Volkanovski can get countered here when he when he does get overly aggressive and I do give the power advantage uh, in the hands uh, to Ortega just you know I I, I think that you know, Volkanovski's tough but he hasn't hurt a lot of guys with punches uh, very much you know he finished Chad Mendez but that was Men I, Mendez is looking great in that fight and that was more of a nutrition thing where Mendez you know just didn't doesn't have the gas there uh to win that fight uh and otherwise man I think that Ortega is in the post him some problems so I'll 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 take Volkanovski here but I if this line keeps going up uh I I'll I'll have a bet on a money line bet on Ortega and potentially maybe some uh prop action as well yeah it's uh you know, when you were talking, it made me think about who's going to jump out to an early lead here. Ortega is kind of known for starting slow, losing the first couple of rounds and coming back. Wolkanowski, also a very methodical fighter who likes to take in that information. So there's a good chance that we see like a really slow round one or two here. Um, but yeah, very competitive fight. It should be a fun one. Um, Ortega finishing early wouldn't totally shock me. Ortega finishing late would be very impressive to me. And, uh, you know, I think if anyone's finishing here, it is Ortega. So. Uh, Really fun I'm fight. Picking, I'm picking Ortega. I'm picking Ortega to get the upset. New champion, Jiu Jitsu, T City. Let's get, let's get, you know, I think he, he could potentially even take this guy down uh, if, if he's super oh. tricky. Maybe, maybe in the clinch or something. Like, or it needs to be early. It needs to be early because I think that he, he loses gas. But man, Ortega's, Ortega's legit, man. I think he's getting underrated here. For I, I really, I really do feel that way. All right, I'll go with he's getting overrated. So I'll pick I'll pick uh, Volk to justify minus one seventy, and that'll be our, our uh, line in the sand. I don't think we we disagreed on too many takes this week, so this will be a good one. Um, but that's gonna do it for the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all are able to get some valuable betting information, and uh, hope you all enjoy the fights this weekend. So we'll see you before the next UFC event, and uh, peace out, fellas. Peace.